What's up? Good morning, everybody. It is 6 a.m. on the East Coast. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show. Um, it's your boy, Eddie D., um, uh, founder and um, <clears throat> teacher here at the True Gospel Ministry. I'm going to be with you guys from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. this morning, um, roughly about 755 I got to jump on um, with a client at 8 this morning. Uh, but we're going to be here with you here for two hours here. At, on the True Gospel Morning Show. Hope you guys are having a fantastic morning so far on this fantastic Wednesday morning. Uh, we are still um, sending up prayers to those who have been affected and impacted by Hurricane Adalia, um, asking God just to continue to show his mercy and grace to those who were deeply impacted by the hurricane and asking that he just continue to restore uh, power, restore food, restore utilities, the whole nine yards to anyone and everyone who's been deeply impacted by uh, Hurricane Adalia on this morning. Uh, certainly glad to be among you guys today. I'm going to start off with prayer, and then we're going to jump into our question for the morning um, and, um, and pray that we are able to be edified with what God has to say to us on this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for gathering us here together to give your name, praise, glory, and honor on this morning's show. Uh, we ask and pray, God, that you just illuminate our hearts and minds uh, with your truth. Uh, we ask, Lord God, that you just continue to just be with us in a mighty and powerful way. Uh, continue to strengthen and encourage each and every one of us as we are moving about and going about our day on today. Lord, may the word that comes from my mouth today be none of me and all of you. Uh, may it encourage, may it enlighten, uh, may it convict, may it comfort, uh, may it strengthen us and embolden us to continue to live the life that you have called us to live. And for those who are not a follower of you, Lord God, we ask that the words that come from our mouths today uh, inspire someone to want to get to know you more, um, to seek your face, to seek your glory and to seek your will uh, and to uh, yeah, whatever questions or concerns that they may have, God, that they feel encouraged to ask the questions, um, Lord, and uh, just to continue to seek truth and seek knowledge and seek the will of the Father. And we'd be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. And we thank Jesus Christ who paved the way for us all to be able to uh, commune with you both now and forever. As he said in his word, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man shall come to the Father except through him. All these things we ask in your son, Jesus name. Amen. All right. Good morning again, everybody. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday morning so far. Uh, we're grateful and excited to be among you today. Uh, today, uh, we are answering uh, this question that was asked yesterday. And um, um, I wrote it down. Um, this person asked the question, I don't believe in God. Does that make me a bad person? Uh, I don't believe in God. Does that make me a bad person? Uh, so, um, love you too, baby. Y'all have a good day at school. Love you. I love you. <laughs> um, and so, um, and so, for a lot of us, uh, we sometimes believe that being a part of the kingdom of heaven is simply about you being good. Um, it's the difference between being good and being bad, right? And so, um, and so, just as um, you know, Brandon Jackson is saying, you know, only God is good, right? Only God is good. Um, but the issue with that 
Um, the, the, the issue with us is that we think that our goodness is what's going to get us into the kingdom. We think that it's just our ability to be a good person, to do good things. We think that that is what's going to give us entry into the kingdom of heaven, that that's what's going to make us a part of the kingdom. Um, and what uh, Christ reminds us, what God reminds us, uh, what even Paul reminds us is that um, our goodness is nothing compared to the righteousness of God. Um, and that on our best day, our righteousness is incomparable to the, to the, to the, to the perfection of God. Um, there are two particular texts that I want to pull from um, to make this point. Uh, if we go to the book of Romans and look at chapter three, um, it tells us, Paul tells us and reminds us that, you know, no matter how much good we think that we are, no matter how much good we think that we do, um, we are never going to be good enough to be, to be able to gain entry into the kingdom of heaven by being a good person. Um, he says, um, starting with verse number nine, uh, well, I'm gonna say, so I'm gonna start with, um, with number eight, um, why, why not do evil that good may come as some people slanderously charge us with saying their condemnation is just what then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of, the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. I'll say this again. Um, verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. If we go to um, Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah um, through uh, uh, prophetically reveals just how utterly sinful um, our righteousness is before a righteous God. He says in verse number four, um, hold on, make sure. No, I'm sorry, verse six. We have all become clean. We, well, I'm sorry, I can't read, right? We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Again, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. What we have to, um, what we have to understand is that before a righteous God, all of our good works, all of our good deeds, all of our goodness 
is but a filthy rag before a righteous God. And the word filthy rag in that time was talking about the garments that women would wear when they were on their menstrual cycle. And so our good works, our righteousness is like a dirty tampon before a righteous God. And that, that's, 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 ugh. I don't even want to think about that. Right. That, but that is what our righteousness is before a righteous God. Any, any of our good works, any of our good deeds, any of our good efforts, anything that we think would count us into the kingdom, that it will, it won't, it won't work. It won't work. So the question being asked, I don't believe in God. Does that make me a bad person? Morality is relative. Let's call it, let's, let's call it like it is. Morality is relative. You know, thumbs up. In our nation, America means good, means good job, means yes, you know, it's an affirmative. But if you take this thumbs up to a different country, um, I believe the country is China. I should have looked it up. Um, and we give them the thumbs up. We, we've been basically flipping somebody off, flipping them the bird, you know, cussing them out. And that could cost us an arm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get beat up for that. And so morality is relative to where you are, the culture that you're in. So the t- good and bad is relative to the location and where in, in which you are, which you are, um, which you are in at that time. Right. And so Christian morality does exist. There is a good and a bad way to live, but the morality of Christianity is not a way to earn yourself into the kingdom. And so what God is telling us is that, you know, our goodness, our goodness or badness is not an indicator of whether or not we're in the kingdom. Being with God, being a part of the kingdom does not make you a good or a bad person. It makes you righteous or unrighteous. It makes you, you know, in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. But being a good person um, is relative to the culture in which you're in. Think about it like this. Jesus, who knew no sin, never did anything wrong, never did a, a bad thing. There's never a bad bone in his body, never committed any crime, never committed any atrocity, was considered a bad person in the culture that he lived in because he was speaking out against the, um, the, 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 uh, the religious rulers, the religious leaders, the religious, um, you know, sex and, you know, was trying to tell them like you, that y'all are, y'all are messing up royally, you know, and y'all are not following the true God. And because of that, they considered Jesus a bad person. Okay. And so again, Good or bad is relative to where you are and relative to the rules in the in the practices and the codes and the creeds of where you're at. Again, there is a Christian moralism. There is Christian morality, but that Christian morality is not something you just pick up and do as if that will make you a good person. No, what makes you a good or bad person is whether or not you have a relationship with God 
point number one, but number two, and more importantly, you can be a good person in the state or the situation that you're living in and still not be a part of the kingdom. You can give all of your money to the poor. You can, you know, um, never say a cuss word, never drink, never drive. Um, you know, you can, you know, um, you know, volunteer at the schools or, you know, feed the homeless or, um, you know, donate things and, uh, you know, and write Christmas cards to people and, and, and all these sort of things. You can do this all willy nilly. You can do a whole host of stuff. But at the end of the day, that will not get you into the kingdom. You may be a, a good person, but that's not going to give you the heart of the, the, the heart that you need in order to, to be a part of the kingdom. And you can't earn that heart. You cannot earn your way into the kingdom. You can be the best person on the planet. Give all your money away. You can be the best person in the planet and cook, you know, for the neighborhood. You can, um, you know, you can, I can't even think of what the things you can do. You can go and, and pray, you know, to, you know, um, you know, pray for people that are in the hospitals. You can, um, you know, do, you know, TikToks and, you know, spread awareness for certain things. You can, you know, give to research. You can, all these things you can do. You can do a whole lot, but none of those things will make you a righteous person in the eyes of God. You can be a good person and still go to hell. You can be a great person and still not be in the kingdom. You can be an amazing person, someone that people look up to, people who, you know, they, they, they are inspired to be like you and they, they want to write books about you and little kids look up to you and, and all those sort of things. But you can, you can do all of that and still go to hell at the end of the day. Like you can still be, still not be a part of the kingdom. Now, I am not saying that if you're in the kingdom, you can do everything you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like you could just, you just, you know, just go ramshod and just live the kind of life that you want to live and still have God too and still be in the kingdom. It doesn't work like that either. But what I'm up, but what I'm also saying is that you cannot just be a good person and get into the kingdom. Being a good person does not equate to being a part of the kingdom. And so, so the, the answer is yes, you can still be a good person and be a person that people look up to. You can even, I'd say this to some of my friends, I've said this to some of my friends who have, who don't have a relationship with God. I tell them for you to not have a relationship with God, you sure do sound like Jesus sometimes for you to not care about Christ. You sure do act like him a lot. You know, I've got, I know a lot of people who don't have a, don't have a, an ounce of care about Jesus and they are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. But because they have chosen that they don't want to follow Jesus, they are not a part of the kingdom. So absolutely, you can be a good person in the eyes of people, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of your families, in the eyes of your friends. Heck, even in the eyes of church people, you can be a good person, but you must be born again. It's the only way to be a part of the kingdom. So, yes, you cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot have a relationship with God, but you can but you can still be a good person. And so what Jesus says in John 316 is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God did not come into this world, Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. And so precept, you say, how do you have a relationship with God? Um, you know, upon hearing the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is simply that Christ has come to save this world from its sins, to come to save this world from its from its uh, from the penalty of the sting of death, um, a spiritual death, a spiritual um, eternity in um, a, in a space without God. Um, you know, um, if you be- repent and believe, repenting meaning you are denouncing all of your allegiances to anything in this world that is not of God, that is not like God, that is unpleasing to God, and declaring that God is the one you will follow, that Christ is the one that you will um, that you will um, dedicate your life to, and believe in what he has accomplished for us. If you denounce and believe, denounce and believe, then you can be given the heart of transformation, that the, he will replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and um, and in doing so, it will allow you to love and cherish and worship um, God. And so, um, you so what it says? What about keeping the um law? You can you can again you can keep the law, but without the love of God, without the heart of God, you can't even keep the law in a way that is pleasing and satisfying to God. That is not a prerequisite of getting into the kingdom. Keeping the commandments is not a prerequisite of getting into the kingdom. Um, What we have to understand about the commandments is that when they were given, they were given as a way to show us our inadequacy, our incapability of being righteous before a righteous God. The commandments are meant to be kept, sure, but you don't have to keep the commandments in order to enter into the kingdom. Keeping the commandments is not the, it is not the prerequisite to getting in. The prerequisite is repentance and belief. Repent saying, I am turning away from my evil deeds. I'm turning away from my sinfulness. I'm turning away from the things that, that, that I love, the things that I desire, the things that are not like God, the things that are not of God. And I'm turning all of my allegiance toward God. I'm pledging allegiance to Christ and I'm believing in him pushing all of my chips in. I'm saying, I am all in. Like, and I'm saying that if I'm wrong about Jesus, if we're wrong about Jesus, then I then I am forever doomed. For, I'm forever stuck because I don't, I have, there is nothing else that I'm believing in to save my soul, to keep me pure, to keep me holy. Now, once we have received salvation, the Holy Spirit then empowers us to keep the law. So it's not us that's living, but it's the Christ that lives in us that empowers us and strengthens us and emboldens us to be able to follow the law, to keep the commandments. So it's not me. I am not keeping the commandments because you, you uh, my mind is all over the place all day, every day. My, my, my thoughts are still, you know, just as you know, messed up as they've been, they are getting aligned. We are more and more like Christ every single day. We're moving more and more toward Christ every day, being sanctified, being purified one day, one moment at a time. But it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to keep the commands, that empowers us to keep the law, that empowers us to make us more like Christ every single day. And so, yes, we keep the law. We keep the law. 
but it is Christ that empowers us to do this. It's no, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in us, that empowers us and emboldens us to be able to do what God is calling us to do. So it's no longer me. It's no longer me that's doing this. And that's the beautiful thing about being a Christian. See, people often think that being a Christian means that I got to do all this about stuff by myself. Like, you know, now that I, now that I'm saved, I got to do this. 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 That's not what the Christian walk is. Is, is It's not about, a, it's not a bunch of do, 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 do. It is resting in the comfort that Christ has done what we couldn't do. Christ lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He lived that that's the part that sometimes we miss. Christ lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He did everything that we can't do on our own. He did that. When he descended to um to earth, he did everything that he, that we in, in our own might, in our own strength, in our own power cannot do on our own. We can't. Then he did he, he died the death that we deserve. He descended into hell, descended into hell. He went to the place of no return. Good morning, Liberty. How you doing? Um, he descended into hell, went to the place of no return, and he stayed there. And then he ascended back to earth. So he died the death that we deserve, then credited his perfect life to us. He said, I'm giving you the A, I'm giving you the A plus. That is what bring. That's what gets you into the kingdom. His perfect righteousness, he credited to us, so that we might be called the righteousness of God. I'm doing all right, Liberty. How are you? Oh, you just said that. You just said how you doing. All right. Um, if we go to Second Corinthians chapter um chapter five, it's one of my favorite chapters. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, Second Corinthians chapter five. Um, it tells us this, starting at verse 16, um, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is one of my favorite passages of scripture because it, it clearly explains the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are the righteousness of God because of Christ, who became sin for us and then exchanged his perfection for our unrighteousness. And in doing so, if we repent and believe, if we repent and believe, we now are the righteousness of God. We are now the for, um, for a mighty God saying that we are righteous because of Christ. When God sees us, he sees the perfection of Christ in us. That is what gets us into the kingdom. Like that's what does it. 
It ain't my works. It's not my good deeds. It's not my good efforts. It's not my putting things away. It is all Christ. And upon repentance, saying, I declare that I denounce my God, denounce my sin. I denounce, you know, following after things that are not of God. I denounce, you know, promiscuity. I denounce pride. I denounce envy. I denounce all these different things as the center of my universe. I'm, I'm putting all those things away. And I'm saying, Christ, you are the center of my life. You are the center of my existence. You are the center of my being. You are, you are everything that I want and need. I am making the declaration today that I want you to be the center of my life. That is the, that initial repentance is the declaration. I am turning away from my, my, from my sin and I'm turning toward Christ. And then we say in, in our belief is that I am pushing all of my eggs into this basket. I'm pushing all of my eggs into this space and saying, God, you, it's all, if I don't, if I, if, if I'm wrong about you, if I'm wrong about, if I'm wrong about this, I'm done. Because I'm not putting my belief in anything else. I'm not putting my belief in no political system. I'm not putting my belief in no other religion. I ain't putting my belief in no new age. I ain't putting my belief in no self-help. I ain't putting my belief in none of this other stuff. All of my eggs are going into this basket and saying, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We say we, we recite this Apostles, Apostles Creed. Um, uh, during our, um, our, our Sunday morning worship service. And the creed says, I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the father almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Unified Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That is the declaration that we're making that I push all of my eggs into this basket, that that is the belief that I have. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in everything that he says that I can do, everything that he says I am, everything he says that I'm not. I'm believing in him. And in doing so, that is what gets me entry. The Holy Spirit, once again, then, is what allows us to be empowered to follow the law. We're not going to get it right. Just, but, but just like Paul said, I'm pressing. I'm going to press toward that mark every single day. I have, I'm secure, but I'm pressing. I'm secure, but I'm pressing. I'm secure, but I'm pressing every single day to be more and more like Christ. So saying all that to say, can you be a good person and not believe in God? Absolutely you can. Because good and bad is typically a relative term based upon the country, based upon the state, based upon the city in which you live. But at the same time, all of your good deeds can still count you out of the kingdom. And so, yes, you can be a good you can be a good person, but you can still not be in the kingdom because your belief, your your being in the kingdom is not built upon your good deeds. So, yes, you can be a good person all day long. You, you can be a great person. But if you are not a believer. 
That is what counts you out of the kingdom. There are a lot of good people that are not going to be in the kingdom. There are a lot of amazing people who are not going to be in the kingdom. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And so you have to ask the question, if you are one of those who believe that you are good and that that should bring you into the kingdom, we may, we're making the appeal today, your goodness is never going to be good enough. It's never going to be good enough because if your goodness was good enough, then all, most of us would be in the kingdom and oh, we just wait until the last day of our living breath if we could help it and say, God, I want to be in. Because we would then just say, here's all my good deeds. Here's all my good works. Here's all my good efforts. Now let me be a part of the kingdom. There is no scale where your good has to outweigh your bad in order for you to get in. It doesn't work that way. That's not how that's not how entry into the kingdom works. God is not looking at a balance of scales to see, you know, did you do more good and bad? No, he's he's saying we are, you know, the righteousness of God by virtue of the of 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 what Christ has accomplished and our repentance and belief toward that. Um, Let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Hopefully, afford it a minute. But, um, all right. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. Okay. All right. Um, you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok and Facebook Live. It's your boy Eddie D. I'm with you guys from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. I certainly thank you guys for taking the opportunity to um, listen to me. I thank you for the thousand likes that we have achieved today. Certain, certainly grateful about that. Uh, I'm going to jump into these comments real quick. So Wavy says, every time I hear someone preach about something specific, it's always a different answer. Um, what are you and what are you referencing in that regard? Uh, so Wavy, I'd love to know exactly what it is that you are um, referencing and referring to, if you don't mind um, letting me know. Um, Shaquita, uh, Nicole, I certainly do appreciate you, boo, so, so much for everything that you do. Appreciate you, girl. Um, someone said, who is Christ sent for or is salvation for everybody or any person? Um, I will, uh, give you some context for that in just a minute. Um, let me see. People are saying, um, church not accurate. Um, Apostles Creed not accurate, only the church. Um, not serve two masters, sports are from the world. Um, let's see. What else we got going on? Um, 
perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joshua said perfect rest should produce the fruit works. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That if we are, you know, resting in Christ, um, that will. Mm hmm. Um, let's see. Three times a day. Pray um, three. Well, I mean, you can you can pray three times a day if you want to. Um, Sandra said been getting mixed up lately. I'm glad that we were able to um, correct some of that for you, my girl. Um, real with God. Sin is breaking the law. Mm -hmm. uh, what else you got? Um, Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. Um, so Wavy, if you're still here, um, you say, um, you said again, um, every time I hear someone preach about something specific, it's always a different answer. So if you don't mind, um, you know, giving us a little more context to that, I greatly appreciate it. Love to know what you're talking about there. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to look something up real quick. Hopefully my phone will work with me. Um, um, okay. Um. Sandra said that I've been awake all night, so I'm going to try to sleep. You are great at explaining things. I do appreciate you for taking some time to listen. And I'm praying that you um that you receive some good rest tonight. Uh, whatever um issues or um or you know problems or struggles that you're you know facing, if any at all. Um it may just be a insomnia, which is you know great in comparison to other things I'm kind of thinking off off the top of my head. But I'm definitely praying, um, we're definitely praying. Um, that you're able to get some restful sleep um, and that, you know, God will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding to comfort your heart and mind. Um, know that he's still in control. He's God. He's sitting on the throne and he loves you, cares about you. And he's um, wishing um, and he wants to give you that rest that you need. So, um, you know, we're praying that you, you know, get what you need and, you know, come back and holler at us, man. Go get some sleep. We, we appreciate you for stopping by today. Um, second Peter, three, nine. Um, so, um, let me see. Um, precept, uh, precept deacon says, um, who was Christ sent for or salvation for any, for everybody or any person? Um, second Peter three, um, I'm going to start at verse eight um, and go down to um, verse 10. Um, says this, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so what God says is that <clears throat> what God says to us is he, he desires that every person on earth be saved. He, he has that desire. It's the desire for no one to not make it into the kingdom. He, he desires that we all make it into the kingdom. As it says in the very end, at the very end of Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 28, he gives his charge to the disciples, saying to them in verse, eight, uh, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, so does God desire that it did all come to salvation? Absolutely. Does he desire that we all come to repentance? 100%. It is not his desire to make one nation be the nation, uh, um, you know, um, as, you know, as Israel was meant to be, um, you know, prior to Jesus's arrival, um, um, Israel was but a shadow of what God was going to do with the entire world. And so now that Christ has come, the entire world is now, you know, able to get into the kingdom. And, he, and, he, and even if we take it into the Old Testament, there are, there are about, there's like several examples of, of God making a way for people who were of other nations observing other gods to graft themselves into the nation of Israel. Um, you know, Ruth was not a part of the kingdom of, 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 of Israel. She was a part of another nation, but she got grafted in by virtue of Boaz, you know, being her kinsman redeemer. Um, oh gosh. Um, uh, God, I can't remember her name right now. Oh man. Um, but uh, Rahab, Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute in a different nation, and um, and 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 when the, um the Hebrew, you know, Hebrews were about to take the land over, she was like, listen, she she hid those hit the spies and said, you know, the spies, um, the spies are um, um, are not here. She hid them and and, and told the people I hadn't seen those spies. And she said, when y'all come to destroy this city, remember us, remember me and my family, because we don't want to be destroyed. And in that, she became grafted into the kingdom of Israel. Um, there were several examples and several different ways that God was showing that you, if you want in, you can be in the kingdom. Um, and as a result of that, um, he desires that all of us come to know him and who he is. And um and what he and how he and what he desires for us, um. Now you know what that means for us is that as a nation, as a nation of as a nation of Israel, we have to not as a nation of Israel, as a nation, we always have to remember that God will do his um will do his great work, um through certain people. Um, it does not necessarily mean that, you know, everybody will come to repentance or everybody will be saved. There are some whose hearts are so hardened from God that there is no repentance for them. Um, they are so hardened against God that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, there's no coming back from that. Um, 
And again, God has created his way in order to bring salvation into the world. But we have to be ever so mindful um, that, you know, that God, again, declares that, you know, he wants all of us to come to repentance. He wants all of us to come to salvation. And so um, what we have to consider is, um, you know, what is it that God has been up to and what did it take for God to get to where we are today? And in his gospel narrative, he has made it such to where the nation of Israel is a shadow, a shadow of what we are to be like in the world today. And Christ has given us the charge to spread his gospel, to spread the good news, to spread the message of his arrival, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return, um, and say it and say it to his all to every person uh, within the sound of our voices in hopes that they will believe. And so again, um, so that is what God, you know, requires of each and every one of us that we um, that we come to know Him, um, that we come to love Him, that we desire to have a relationship with Him, and as a result, um, He come, He has given us the charge. Um, that we go into all nations and spread his gospel message and, you know, le- allow God to do his wonder work. Now, again, that re- that relationship, that, that 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 gospel, that good news, everybody's not going to receive it. And so he's not charging us to save everybody. Let's be clear. His gospel message is not going to save everyone. It has the power to save everyone. According to Romans chapter one, The gospel is the power unto salvation for those who believe. But it's for those who believe because you are going to give this message to some people and they are not going to receive it. Remember the um, the Isaiah? Remember Isaiah? How, you know, and I love how everybody wants the part where it says, God, send me. I'll go. But um, let me go straight to um, Isaiah chapter one. I think it's in. I think it's. Yeah. Um. Was it one? Let me no. Let me see. I think it's six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. In um verse number eight of chapter six, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Who whom shall I send, and who will go for or go for us?" Then I said, "Here I am. Send me." And He said, "Go and say this to you. Say to this people: Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull." And their eyes, ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump rem- remains when it is felled, the holy seed in its stump. So what it's saying there is that we're going to give this gospel message. It's going to go out, but not everybody's going to receive it. And so, yes, he wants everyone to come to salvation, but there's also the caveat that everybody ain't going to receive this word. And so he wants all to come to repentance. But there are some people who are so against God, who have, you know, been staunchly against him that there's no there's no coming back for them. Now, it's not our place to say whether they are or aren't. That's God's doing. That's all God's work. But he's charged us to give this word 
and to give it to everyone. And those who will be saved will be saved. But those who will be lost will be lost because our message is a fragrance from from, um, from life to life. But it's also a fragrance from death to death. And so we have to be ever so mindful that it's not our job to save anybody. Our job is simply to do the will of our father and to preach the gospel message and to do so in such a way that allows us to be able to um, that allows us to be able to give the word of truth in hopes that someone will be saved and in hopes that, you know, someone will believe again. I can't save anybody. Like even with this platform here, can't save nobody. Thank you, Target Truth. I, I appreciate that. I can't. I can't. We we can't save nobody. You know, all we can do is give this word and hope that somebody believes. We can only hope that someone believes. But at the end of the day, you know, our our job is not to save anybody. Our job is simply to live out this gospel, um, in both word and deed, so that someone's soul may be saved. Or someone's soul may be lost. And so we, again, have to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we are um, that we are giving the word of truth to those who will believe. And in doing so, hope and believe that, you know, people's souls will be saved, that people's souls will be delivered and that someone will give, um, you know, their lives over to God. Again, at the end of the day, we hope we hope we're hoping we're praying, we're wishing, you know, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you, do you hear it? But at the end of the day, you know, if if they don't hear it, that's not our that's not our charge. Some of us have been given the Isaiah assignment where we're going to preach it all day long, but they're never going to hear it. We're going to say it all day long, but they're never going to hear it. We're going to live it all day long, but they're never going to hear it. And again, it's not our responsibility of whether they hear it or not. All we can do is give it. All we can do is present it. All we can do is live it. All we can do is show it and hope that someone hears us. Um, well, not even hope that someone hears us. Let allow God to do his work. And if he and if they believe, hallelujah, praise Jesus. And if they don't, you know, it's all good. Because again, we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. And so at the end of the day, we got to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we are giving the word of truth to those who um, you know, to the, to, to everyone. And um and no, and no, K N O W. Know that every person um, is meant to be saved. Every person is meant to be delivered from the penalty of sin and death. Um, but that everybody ain't gonna be saved. Everybody ain't gonna be delivered. Everybody ain't gonna, um, you know, walk into those pearly gates, quote unquote. Um, even though it, it ain't gonna be no pearly gates. Um, and so again, you know, that is the charge of all of us, and that is you know, the answer to that question, like, does, does God, you know, want everyone to be saved? 100%. Absolutely. Says it right there in the word. Um, you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here. We're on here Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to jump back into these comments real quick. I saw a question in here. Um, person um, asked the question, what does God think about LGBTQ people? Does he love them? God loves um, everyone. Um, and so um, I'm going to say that I'm going to say it. Um, if I get shadow banned, you know, hope it, hopefully not. Um, but, you know, you know, we got to do what we got to do. And if so, you know, I'll deal with the consequences and then come back on later. Um, but here is here is the reality. 
for my LGBTQ community. He, please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. I, I'm not, I don't want to argue. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with anybody. Um, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. It's, it's really that simple. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Like it, 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 it really don't get any simpler than that. As we said earlier today, God is not looking to you to, you know, to, um, he's not looking to you to change who you are in order to become a part of the kingdom. That's not how Christianity works. That's not how Christ works. He brings you in and then transforms you from the inside out. So he's saying, when we say come as you are, he's saying, just like the woman that was caught in adultery, she was caught in adultery. Just like, you know, the woman, you know, that was at the well, she was in a relationship with somebody that wasn't her husband at the time of conversion. You know, the, 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 the man, the, the, the tax collector, Matthew, the tax collector, he was still tax collecting when he was converted over Saul, when he was converted in name change to Paul, which it really didn't, but that's a whole other story. You know, he was on the way to Damascus to go kill some more Christians when he was converted. So I need us to hear this clear. God is not asking you to change who you are prior to conversion. That's not how Christianity works. And if you're honest with yourself, that ain't how it works for you. You are steeped in your sin, steeped in your mess, steeped in your self-righteousness, steeped in your judgment, steeped in lying, steeped in promiscuity, steeped in, you know, um, addiction, steeped in all this other stuff. Like, we were steeped in it at the time of conversion. At the time of being converted, we were steeped in it. And once we got saved, we were still struggling with that sin for some of us, for a while. Some of us, by the grace of God, had the miracle where as soon as I gave my life to Christ, I gave all of it up. And God bless you. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. I wish that was my story. Was not. I was God, became saved, and was still steeped in my mess, still steeped in my issues, still steeped in my problems that even to this day, I still struggle with from, from, one, from one day to the next. But the struggle has gotten infinity percent easier um, than it once was. And so, but again, my conversion story, I still struggled with the stuff that I had going on with me. And so what I'm, so I'm saying that to say, God does not require you to, God does not require you to be, um, my bad. Um, God does not require you to be a part, to be converted of your to be to to, to 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 change all your stuff to then get into the kingdom. That is not what Christianity is. That's not what Christianity is about. It's never been that way, right? But once you are a part of the kingdom, let, let's let's keep this. Let's keep it a buck. Once you are a part of the kingdom, there are kingdom principles that God is going to align us to that we have to be a part of. 
Tim Ross said it like this, and I'm so glad I wrote it down. Tim Ross said it like this. I think it was on the third episode of his um, podcast. Um, he said, um, where is it? Tim Ross said it like this. In the same way he died for you, you now have to die for him. You have to die to your will. You have to die to your way. You have to die to your desires. You have to die to your agenda. And because this is a kingdom and because he is a king and not a presidential candidate, we cannot rewrite the Constitution. We cannot rewrite the Constitution. So I can't, as a believer, and this is the key. This is the key that a lot of us Christians miss. I can't be a believer in Christ and then try to tell Christ how I'm going to live my life. It doesn't work that way. I cannot say that I believe in Jesus, that I've repented and renounced all of my other stuff and I've repented toward him and then turn around and tell Jesus I'm going to live my life my way. I'm going to do life the way that I want to do it. I cannot say that I believe in God and then tell God how I'm going to live. It doesn't work like that. If I'm going to believe in Jesus, I got to love everything that he loves. I got to unlove everything that he unloves. I have to care about what he cares about. I have to fight for what he fights for. I got to, I got to believe in what he believes. So everything that Christ says about who I am as a person that he's created in his image, I have to ask him by the power of the Holy Spirit, because again, this ain't me, but it's Christ that lives in me. I have to then ask God to make me more like him every single day. So in saying that, specifically to my LGBTQ community, because again, I love you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But once you become a part of this kingdom, there are things that you're going to have to give up. Now, the struggle is real, right? So again, I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't ask anybody else to do. Whatever it is that is not like God, if you're going to be a part of this kingdom, you're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to give it up. And it will be a struggle from now till kingdom come when it's something that you love, when it's something that you desire, when it's something that you crave. It is going to be a struggle every single day. And some people struggle more than others. Call them a spade a spade. But it, but what so what empowers us to endure the struggle is to look to Jesus who became sin for us. He who knew no sin got on a cross and died the death that we deserve, not just physically, but spiritually as well. Entering into the pit of hell and staying down there, going through the torture, torment and everything that comes with being in hell for however long he was down there. The day in the Lord is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. I ain't no telling how long Christ was down there before he got up on the third day. OK, but he did that and he did it for us. So the struggle that we go through from this life to the next is nothing. Oh, <laughs> okay. I see. Mm. 
Yep, yep, yep. Give me a minute. Give me a second. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, man. Where is it? Second uh, Corinthians chapter four um, says it like this. We have this treasure in jars of clay, this treasure being the gospel in, in the Holy Spirit and in, in the Christ that lives in us to show the surpassing power belongs, show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be ma manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us from also with Jesus and Bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart through, through our out, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction. I'm going to say it one more time. This light momentary affliction. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Though our inner, the, um, uh, 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so what God is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is that everything that we go through in this life is a light momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that God has secured for us in the death, uh, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so for anyone who is a part of this kingdom, anything that is not like God, anything that is not of God, God is saying, you're going to have to get that up. You're going to have to give that up. But you're giving it up in exchange for an eternal weight of glory. You're giving it up in exchange for me, for what I have to give, for what I have to do, for what I'm giving you. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is renewing and transforming and reshaping our lives from one degree of glory to the next as we become the, me the messengers and the ministers of reconciliation, as we become the living epistles of who God is, we become the living examples of who God is in this world so that someone may see our good works as we let our light shine before others and glorify God. Give him honor, glory, and praise. So we are being renewed 
day by day, our inner man growing and shaping and being molded and, and being and being, you know, being uh, uh, taken, you know, taken and being molded and shaped and we're being, we're, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're being um, uh, uh, purified. You know, all these different things are falling off of us one piece at a time. And so what he's saying to us today is that he has made the sacrifice for us. So we have to be willing if we repent and believe to make sacrifices for him. If we're going to be more like him, if we're going to, you know, be more like Christ, that with some stuff we're going to have to give up. So, again, I'm saying all of that to say to you guys, you are, if you are a part of the kingdom, if, if, if um, to my LGBTQ community, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. If you are, I'm going I'm to I'm do you one better, do you one better. LBGTQ community, God loves you, wants a relationship with you. To the adulterer, God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. To the mass murderer that's in, that's in prison right now, God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. For the slanderer who gets on, you know, the, the TikTok videos all the time and is sitting there, you know, calling people out their names, you know, and getting such a thrill out of, um, out of you, know, um, you know, being so hateful and spiteful all the time, God loves you. And he wants a relationship with you to the one who, you know, won't take care of his kids, won't take care of his family, is always looking out for self and always beating himself up all the time for being such a terrible person. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you to the drunkard. God loves you, wants a relationship with you to the sex addict. God loves you and wants a relationship with you to the crack addict. God loves you and wants a relationship with you to the gambler who's gambling their life, their life away. God loves you, wants a relationship with you. To the gossiper, God loves you, wants a relationship with you. For the one who's working their fingers to the bone, trying to um, trying, trying to climb the ladders, but is kicking down the um, people, you know, in, in this crab mentality, you know, kicking the people that are supporting them and everything. Now they're kind of rising, now they're rising to the top. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. To the one who, you know, sleeps around with this person, that person, this person, that person all day long, God loves you. And wants a relationship with you to the one who, who, you know, who, the narcissist, to, to the narcissist who can't never see that they ever did anything wrong. God loves you and wants a relationship with you to the ones. Yeah. Come on now to the ones who are really good people, the ones who do everything right and think that their righteousness is going to get them into the kingdom. God loves you and wants a relationship with you to the ones who are, you know, in church and judging every person that comes to the doors who don't look like them and, you know, weird, who judge everybody who wears a short that's too, that's a skirt that's too short or, you know, got, you know, dreads in their hair or, you know, um, is strung out on drugs. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. He loves you and wants, and wants a relationship with you. Our God is the God who came down from heaven and walked among us and is walking among us now. His spirit is everywhere. He sees all, he knows all, he's with He's with us, he's ever present everywhere around us. And as a result, he loves you and wants a relationship with you. But once you get into this kingdom, you are going to have to give up everything I just named. If you are going to walk with him, you're going to have to give it up. 
And it's not good. And for some of us, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. There's going to be some struggle that comes with it. But the eternal weight of glory that God has promised us, the renewal of the inner man that he's promised us, is worth the light momentary affliction that we go through in this life in comparison to what's coming. And so we thank God every day that he's given us the ability to be able to have this, you know, this light momentary affliction because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord, in the eternal way, the glory that's coming for each and every one of us. It's, it's just, it's incomparable, it's incomparable, incomparable. And so, man, that, that was, that was good. Thank I thank you for the question. I can't even remember what the question was. But that was such a good question. Um, so thank you for watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok. I'm here with y'all from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. Um, yes, right. Go Celtics. Um, um, but um, but we're here every morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, and so I got another hour with you guys right here on the channel. Um, um, thank you guys so much for your questions and your comments on today. Um, let me see. Um uh, now I don't I think Raspberry Peach, I, I saw your question. Give me one second um to answer it. Don't go anywhere. There's another question on here that I want to write down real quick before I forget it though. Um let me see if I can if I can find it again. Um give me one second. Um no, okay, no, I'm 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 hold on. Um give me one more second. Um, um, cake, uh, um, I'm gonna call you kilogram Oliver, <laughs> kilogram Oliver. God bless you, man. I appreciate you, man. Hey, um, I know that hurricane blew through Jacksonville. How you doing down there, man? Um, why does God create ev evil if he loves us? Um, why does God create evil if he loves us? Let me write that down real quick. Why? Does God create evil if he loves us? So they're different. Um, good, good. I'm glad. Praise God, man. Praise God. I'm glad everything's going well with you guys. Um, so if if so, this is one of the um age old questions that a lot of people have about God. Um, and, and, it's, and it kind of falls in line with the Christian relativism and Christian moralism that we um, deal with a lot. Um, so I'm going to attempt to answer this question the way I answer it, but there's a multitude of, of, of ways to answer this, um, this same question. Um, but if, if God loves us, why did he create evil? Um, and so here is, here, is, here is my answer to that. Um, God in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, created free will. He gives you the freedom to do what you want to do. This freedom was patterned in heaven as well. Um, um, hold on. Um, <laughs> um, this love the, the, the in, in God's infinite love for us, God does not want us 
to be, he doesn't want to force anyone into a relationship with him. That's not how God operates. He doesn't force anybody to love him. He doesn't force anybody to follow him. He doesn't force anybody to pattern their lives after him. That's not love. If I forced my wife to be with me, that's not love. You know, if I thought you're going to be my wife, that's not love. If I force her to be here, she don't want to be here. That's not love. And so in God's love for everything that he created, he gave everything a free will, a free will to love, a free will to do whatever they want to do. That because that's love to make a choice to do and to follow and to be a part and to commune and to walk alongside. That's a choice. That's not force. Come on, y'all. We, we've been in re- some of us. I'm going to say all of us. Some of us have been in relationships where we were we were kind of forced to be in that relationship. We were forced into that relationship by fear. Like, uh, I, I'm afraid of you. That's not the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. He doesn't want us to have a, a relationship that's built on fear. And anyone who tells you that is not giving you the truth. It's not giving you the truth. God does not want to us to have a fearful relationship with him. He wants us to have a reverential fear, which is more, which is more better translated as awe, you know, re- respecting the power that God has, but not being so afraid of him that, oh my God, if I don't do what's right, he's going to throw down lightning bolts at me. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm so scared. Like that's not the relationship that God wants with us. Now, at the same time, you got to come, you got to realize if you don't want a relationship with the creator of the universe, why then would you want a relationship with the creator of the universe for all eternity? We cannot write the rules of the universe. This is God's universe. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. So we don't have the right to put God in us in our judgment. I'm not sitting on the throne and telling God, you messed up with how you created the universe. Because now I'm saying that I'm God and I'm calling him inferior. In what universe? Does that make any kind of sense? I cannot tell God that he is inferior to my superior intellect. I don't have God's mind. I don't have God's power. I don't have God's infinite infinity Like I'm not all powerful. I'm not all knowing. I'm not ever present. I'm not eternal. I have an eternal soul that God has gifted me, but I am not an eternal being to the point where I know and see everything. I don't know what happened in 1506, um, you know, in the middle of the African, um, the African Sahara in, in, a, in, a, in a small village in that small little hut. I don't know what happened there, but you know who does? God. You know, I I wasn't there when he created the mountains. I don't have the power to create a tree. I don't have the power to create a river. I don't have the power to create a sun. But you know who does? God. I can't die for anybody's sins. But you know who did? God. I can't descend into hell and come back. But you know who did? God. So everybody who keeps saying, but you are a God. 
but you but you are but you but you do have power bruh stop okay i don't have the power to die for anybody's sins i don't have the power to take on the sin of the universe the universe i don't have that power Christ, in his infinite love, wisdom, knowledge, and the know and knower of the rules, became just and the justifier. And he descended into hell for us. He went to the place that we're meant to go into and conquered that place, died the spiritual death that we deserve as an eternal being. He descended into the place of no return. If we go to hell, there's no coming back from that. We don't get to go back. We don't get to do. Hey, we don't get a do over. We don't. We're watching the Good Place. My wife and I are watching the Good Place right now with um Kristen Bell and um and, and Ted and um I think it's Ted Danza or yeah I think it's Ted Dan, uh, Ted Danza or Tony Danza. I can't remember. But um but um but they keep talking about oh I get to earn my way into the Good Place now. I'm in the bad place right now, but I get to earn my way into the Good Place. There is no coming back from the bad place. Okay, N- not in not in the way God created this universe. And so Christ did that for us. I don't have the ability to do that. So I dare not put myself in a seat of judgment and tell God, you, you, you effed up in the way that you wrote these rules and you need to rewrite your rules. You need to make your rules different so that that way we can do what we want to do and we can have what we want to have and you still love us. It don't work that way. It don't work like that. And so, again, in God's infinite love for us, he gave us free will. And we are free to do whatever we want to do. But there are consequences to that, to that, to what we decide to do. There are consequences. And I'm sorry if those consequences seem harsh. But guess what? He's God. He gets to write the rules. And so, if you don't want to Follow him, prepare to suffer the consequences for not following the rules. It's really that simple. And so, again, for a lot of us, what we want to do is we want to rewrite the rules. We want to say, well, you know, that's God. God God can't be a God of love because if he was a God of love, he would have created evil. God didn't create evil. He created free will. And in creating free will, because his desire is that we not be forced into a relationship with him. We decided, man decided, with, with that free will to do what they, to do what we wanted to do. But he, in his infinite love and wisdom for us, still created a way for us to be able to walk and have a relationship with him um, and to be able to connect with him through um, through Jesus Christ. And so again. If our Lord, if our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ loves us, then he's not going to force us into a relationship. Now, he's going to compel, you know, through the knowledge and the wisdom of him as we hear the gospel, that gospel pierces our hearts. He transforms from one degree of glory to the next. Like God does that work. I mean, because let's call a spade a spade. I ain't getting into this on my own. God had to give, had to give us. So, but again, and so again, that's because, because that's God's work. But 
that evil exists because God gave us free will, the free will to choose who we gonna love. That's that's what love does. Love doesn't force anybody into a relationship, but you gonna have consequences for the choices that you make. It's like we want to be coddled every which way. Oh, don't punish me for not following you, Lord. No, it don't work like that. There are consequences for this. There are consequences for that. Like, so that, so that's, 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 that's that. Like, that's why evil exists because God gave us free will. And in that free will, we choose to do what we want to do rather than do what God, what God wants for us. Just like we said at the very beginning. You can do good deeds, but those good deeds can still have ulterior motives. You got people who will give buku money, boatloads of money, but they only do it because they want a tax write-off. So they can go buy more boats, buy more yachts, buy more houses they don't need, jet set all over the place. You have people who will, you know, take pictures, who will get pictures taken of them, you know, that they've done this great thing. I, I, it bothers me when I see people who will go and do charity, you know, charity work or mission work, and they take so many freaking selfies of themselves. Like, here I am over here next to this place where people are suffering, living out loud, you know, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that for? And so, but again, let me stop because I'm, I'm going off track. And their their motives are impure. The things that they do that are good, they want to be seen. Some people want to be seen, want to be known, want to be valued, want people to know that they did a good thing. You know, some people will do good things with ulterior motives. You know, how many times have we seen community centers opened up by crime lords? And mob bosses doing a good thing in the community for an ulterior motive. So again, good deeds, they don't make you righteous. Your good works are not going to get you into the kingdom. You know? And so again, you know, we can, we can want God to be the way we want him to be so bad, but at the end of the day, our superior intellect can't outmatch even the foolishness of God. It just, it just can't, you know, someone said um, in the chat, why does God, you know, speak through people? God said that, you know, he's going to use the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. That's how he chooses to get his message across through us. That, it's what he chose to do as the author of the universe. It's what he chose to do, to use the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. That's why we, we, we like Paul, want to know nothing than just knowing Jesus. Because he uses the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. And if you ever notice that the more wisdom of God that we give some people, the more defensive they become of, you know, of their stances and things. 
That is the foolishness of preaching, confounding the wise. And so, again, don't get caught up or hung up into, you know, disagreements or discussions, you know, of, fr of frivolity um, when it comes um, to, you know, talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because some people's hearts are so hardened that no matter what you say to them, it's always going to come with a rebuttal. Always going to come with a rebuttal. But what we learn to do is we learn to just keep keep preaching Jesus, keep teaching Jesus, keep sharing Jesus, keep, you know, giving them the word of truth. For at the end of the day, like we said, all we can do is tell them we can't make anybody believe. And if trying to make somebody believe in Jesus is a fool's air is a fool's run. You know, all we can do is tell them all we can do is tell them, you know, and love them. And, and love them in such a way to where, you know, justice, um, you know, um, you know, just like, um, you know, K uh, kilogram Oliver is saying, you know, April 3rd, 2011, man, that's when God said, boom, you know, you know, for me, it was a fateful day, um, in March of 2014 where God went, boom, and it changed everything, man, changed everything. And so again, you know, God is telling us, he's telling us every single day, like, you know, you can't make people believe in God. All you can do is tell them the truth. All you can do is tell them the truth. Like, well, you know, that, that fateful day in March, I had bought a book. Matter of fact, it's on my bookshelf. Give me one second. Um, where are you? 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 Um, This book right here changed my life. And let me let me flip the camera around. Um, there we go. This book right here changed my whole life. It's called The Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson. This book right here changed my life. And like when I read this book, and it and it told me. For the first time, like, listen, I had been in church. I've been in church my whole life, was ministering starting in 2004. But in 2011, no, I'm sorry, 2014, I got this book and it was the first time that I ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The very first time I'd ever heard the gospel. And again, I've been preaching since 2004 and it wasn't until 2014 that God finally knocked me on my butt and showed me who he really is and it changed my life forever I might have heard somebody preach the gospel but I didn't have the ears to hear I didn't have a heart to hear and so I was just practicing religion but I wasn't practicing the gospel because no one showed me how to read my bible no one showed me how to pray. I was learning all this stuff on the fly. I had my little pieces of the Bible that I that I had memorized, all my little special verses that helped me to know this and help me know that, blah, blah, blah. But no one had ever presented the gospel to me. No one had ever presented the gospel to me. And so once the gospel of Jesus Christ was presented to me, and it was presented to me through this book, it changed everything for me. 
Now I understand the scriptures. Now I understand what it means when Jesus said, you know, when he took those two boys on the road to a man is through Genesis through, um, through Malachi and showed them him in every part of that scripture. I understood then that Jesus is the key to the text. Like I got, I got it. I understood like, dude, boom. Like it's, you know, that's what finally got my heart, um, into, into him. And so, um, it takes God doing that work. It's not, it's not up to us. It's not up to us. It's not, it's not up to us. It's all up to God and what he chooses to and how he chooses to present himself to us. Um, and so to God be the glory for, you know, what he has done in my life. And um, I'm praying, you know, the same for you guys that he does the same for you. Um, you know, because God is such a good God and he is definitely worthy uh, to be praised. And so, again, you know, that's what it's, it's all. It's all God, man. It's all God. Um yeah, Paul Walsh is my boy. I, I love him. That dude, that dude be getting in some trouble. Yeah, you talking about some good trouble? That's my Paul Paul Washer boy. <laughs> Paul Washer is about that life. I love him. I love I love him a lot. Um, you guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on Tickety Talk Live. Um, I thank you so thank you guys so much for the twenty six hundred likes that you've given to this um this episode today. Um. You guys are awesome. I see you guys. I see, um, you know, Bud and um, Kilogram are going back and forth in the chat. Um, I love, um, I'm glad you guys are having a dialogue. I'm going to let y'all keep going at it. Just remember, just keep it classy. Um, but you guys um, do what you do. I really do appreciate y'all for engaging um, today. Um, I'm going to be with you guys for another 30 minutes before I got to get out of here and go to work. Um, but I'm cer certainly grateful. Um, certainly grateful that you guys are, you know, tearing it down here in the chat. Um, live, uh, feel free to continue to ask your questions or um, <clears throat> or, um, or or your comments. Uh, just remember just to keep them classy. Um, let me see. Um, Scorpion Dream. Um, ah, God, words. Um, Scorpion Dream said the Bible doesn't claim God is omni anything. Um, show me. Um, let me... Um, let me do this real quick. Um, let me see. If I make my... Okay. If you're still here, Scorpion, um, I hope you still are. Um, let's see. Psalm 139. So this Psalm, Psalm 139, I think is the perfect example of God being omnipresent, omniscient, um, and ever present, um, omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, and um, omnipresent. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you, you know it altogether. You hem in me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. 
Uh, you take care of yourself too, Liberty. It's always good to see, always good to see you. I appreciate you so much. You've been one of my day ones even before we started this. I appreciate you for coming in today. Um, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. For the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malice intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, David right here, or, well, oh, uh, yes, David right here, boy, was on one, okay? Letting us know, God, you are everywhere. God, you know everything. God, you are all-powerful. Right there in Psalm 139. So, again, though he may not say the word specifically, because you know how we literalists can be sometimes. You got to say the exact word. Right there, it's clearly stating to us, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. And that's that's such a beautiful thing, man. Like, my God, is so, it's such a beautiful thing that he is here. He is here. Like, he ain't going nowhere. <sighs> He hadn't gone anywhere. And so I thank God every single day. I thank God every single day that he has given us this ability to be able to love, be able to honor, be able to treasure, be able to, you know, possess him and to do so in such a way to where we recognize if we study this word, if we look at this word and we really give ourselves over to God and what he would have us to know. It's all right here. It's all accessible right here. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything. It's right here, right here for us to study the word. Again, may not say the word specifically. He's all knowing, all powerful, ever present, but all one has to do is read the word and see all knowing, all powerful, ever present 
in just Psalm 139. So going throughout the 66 books, all knowing, all powerful, ever present, you know? And so, you know, hey, hey, listen, go for it, man. Go, you can do it. You can do it. If you take that um that one year plan um off of oneyearbible.com and basically, you know, break it up into six months or break it up even further than that, you can do it. I'm believing in you. I'm believing you, I'm believing you can do it. Um to the to the glory of God. Um and so so yeah, man, you know, that that's how we know God is all knowing, God is all powerful, God is ever present. That's how that's how we know. Um but again, that's just one example of several examples of God's all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present self. Um, and again, to God be the glory that he has given us this ability to be able to worship him um, in spirit and truth and to be able to give this word, um, you know, to, you know, to his people. Um, so I'm in Georgia. Um, I'm in Georgia. Um and so again, to God be the glory um, for everything that's done. You are watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here with your boy Eddie D on TikTok Live. Uh, well, I'm here with you guys till 8 a.m. Um, it'll be about 7.50 today um, because I got to go um, to work. Um, starting next week, I'll be able to go the full two hours nonstop um, um, and not have to worry about work. Um, and so grateful to you guys for giving me this opportunity to be able just to spit some truth and knowledge to you. Thank you to everyone who is in the comment section, um, you know, commenting, as I always say, you know, I, I'm not going I don't govern, um, you know, I try to stay out the comments as much as possible. Like I see some things every now and then. Um, um, but, um, but, you know, you know, y'all comment sections for y'all just keep it classy. Like I said, um, and, you know, know that I do try to read everything that you guys are saying. Um, and so if you have any further questions or comments, holler at your boy and let me know. Um, let me see. Um, um, someone said in the box, um, um, Hope that the, um, the, the KJV Bible, the gospel of Jesus is in the KJV Bible. Um, so for me, I'm not one of those people who believes like the KJV is the only version of the Bible. Um, that is not I, I don't prescribe to that um, because there are too many translations that have been that have been, are that are derivative straight from the original Hebrew and original Greek text. Um, to say that the KJV is the only version. I'm, I'm not one of those people because the KJV was a translation of the original Hebrew and Greek. Um, um, and and, and uh, what well, was a translation, um, yeah, of the original Hebrew and Greek, I believe. I got to go do more research on that. Um, but again, you know, there are too many people, that, but there are too many good people that have done too much good work to translate the original to, to the um to the to, to today's language, and so I'm not one of those people who prescribe in um, KJV is the only version um, because if that's the case, then we're all doomed. We are we are we are truly utterly lost. And um, their Bibles are not KJV. Their Bibles are not you know are not King James versions. And so what we're gonna teach them English before we give them the Bible? No, it don't work like that. Like no, these Bibles are being translated 
50 billion different times, 50 different billion ways and 50 billion different languages. So, you know, again, dismiss me with this whole idea that, you know, the KJV is the only version. It's the only version because that's what you grew up with. And so, uh, again, you know, believe it if you want to. Um, but that's not what I prescribe to. Um, and at the end of the day, the gospel message um, is not specific to the words in the Bible in such a way to where when I present the gospel to somebody, I got to present the words of Romans chapter four and go through these specific verses to give the gospel. That's not how the gospel was presented to me. It, it, it saved my soul. It's not how the gospel was presented to a whole lot of other people. And to save their souls, we need the Bible without question. I'm not knocking the Bible, I'm not saying we don't have the Bible, but what I'm saying is we don't prescribe to this idea that I have to present it specifically through the King James Version in order for people to be saved. That's not that's not true because you've got a whole bunch of people in the Bible itself who were not saved through the King James Version because the King James Version didn't exist back in three, the King James Version didn't exist back in 45. And I'm not talking 1945. I'm talking the year four, five. Okay. So that whole idea of King James version being the only version. Nah, bro. That's not, that's not, that's not accurate. Um, um, and again, that again, you know, you can tell specifically to you that may be the case, but then it's up to you to do your homework. It's, it's that simple. It's it's uh, it's on, it's on you to do your homework. And and this is and what I mean by that is this: we talked yesterday about how um, you know, different words meant different things back then compared to what they mean today, compared to what they meant in the original language. And so you could have the word love show up. 50,000 50, times in the Bible, right? But there are different versions of love. And in the Hebrew and Greek, they actually have different words for the different versions of love. And so while we might have translated a word to mean obey in one translation that was back in 1612 or 1613, there may have been a different way to, to, to translate that word today to fit the language of today to match what was written back then. And so, again, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to us to do the homework, to do our due diligence and to see which versions are more accurate than the others. You know, again, I take I, my, my, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler for the ESV. And the reason I'm a stickle for the ESV is because the ESV is a literal word for word translation. But even in that, I still go back to the Biblehub.com and I look up the different versions. I look for the I look for the different versions. Um, and I do that because, yes, God's word doesn't change. But when was God's word written? In four thousand, in two thousand, in 1000 BC, 3 AD, you know, 70 AD, 75 AD, 80 AD. Those words haven't changed, but the translations have. I tell you all this all the time. you got to get out of the mindset of thinking that our Bibles were written last year. 
We got to get out of the mindset of thinking that our Bibles were written back in 1611. You, you got you to gotta get out of the mindset of thinking that these Bibles were done in our time. They weren't. These original texts were written 2,000 plus years ago. So we're not talking about when they were, when the word was written. You're talking about when it was translated. Just as, um, just as Kilgram is talking about when it was written, when it was translated. So again, God's word, you're 100% right, never changes. But translations have evolved over time to fit the language of the people that are living today. So you're 100% right. God's word never changes. But translations are modified to fit the language of the time frame that we live in, the society that we live in. Again, which is why. Even with the English Standard Version, that's a literal word for word translation. I still got to go to Bible Hub because in one area, though, this word love could mean a totally different type of love than love in a different book, in a different context, in a different situation. And if I don't know the difference, I could mistake love to be all things. Love to be all things. And again, uh, you, you might, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. But again, that's why you got just, you got to just do the work, do the work of studying, do the work of studying. Because again, yes, you may feel that they're watered down, but I, I promise you, even though some people have some problems with the message Bible, some people have been saved from that message Bible. Even though some people may feel like the New Living Translation ain't, you know, as, you know, as powerful or deep as, you know, as strong as King James or New King James, or whatever. Some people got saved off that. So it's not about, you know, how, you know, the specific the words have been. It's the it's the it's the it's the power from those words. When I preach the gospel to people, I'm not giving them thus saith the Lord. You, sh you mustn't be borneth again. Oh, dude, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. That is gospel. Now, he may not say it like that in the, in the scriptures, but that's gospel. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And so, again, just because the translations may translate differently does not devoid God of his power. We're just simply speaking in the language in which God has allowed us to learn, to ascertain, to understand. And we speak based on the language that we have. But it's not. But again, we got to get out of this mindset that the book, it's oh, my God. OK, Jesus said it like this. You search the scriptures as if that's where life is. That's not where it's at. It's in Christ. It's in him. It's in the Holy Spirit. That's where the power is. And so these, the, regardless of what translation you're reading, the power ain't in the book. The power is in the God of the book. And whatever language you need to understand the God of the book, be grateful that somebody translated these things so you can understand the God of the book. Because that's the point. The point isn't King James. The point isn't English Standard. The point is Jesus, Jesus. And again, do your homework, do your research, 
Understand what these translations are, what they actually mean. Do your homework, but also recognize that just because you have a different translation doesn't mean that you have a different God. If you're still worshiping the same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, same God, again, the whole, and you can trust that if something's not sitting well with you in something that you're reading from a different translation, that the Holy Spirit's going to let you know, hey, go check this out. Go look at this real quick. Go, 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 go look at this over somewhere else. We just went through that. And God, I, I hate bringing this up because I know what it's going to invite, but I'm going to say it anyway. We just had a conversation yesterday on, on, on yesterday's episode of True, of True Gospel Morning Show, which is live 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on TikTok. Just had a conversation about the term slavery and servant yesterday. And, you know, some people get so up in arms. God condones slavery. And I'm like, oh, God. I, and, and, I, and so I try to shy away from this topic because I know it invites, you know, all these comments and trolls and stuff. But it is what it is. And so we took them through it. And, you know, the word slave servant in the Hebrew has about nine different meanings, nine different derivatives of that word. And so what slavery means in Exodus chapter two is not the same as what it means in Exodus chapter 21. It's not the same as it is in Deuteronomy chapter 26, I believe. It's not the same as it means in first Peter isn't the same, you know, as it means in, um, in, um, in Ephesians chapter six, um, you know, in, in the same as Matthew chapter 20, like, but you gotta know to, you gotta, you gotta seek that out. You gotta seek it out because if you don't seek it out, then you'll think that slave means the same thing across the board. And in our finite thinking, we're only looking so far back as 1611 or 1619, excuse me, 1619, when, you know, slavery was going on here in America. And so again, we got to study the word and we got to know that if something didn't sit right with our spirit, we got to search it out so that we have a better understanding of what it is that we're reading. But again, King James, awesome Bible, awesome Bible, read it, study it. I read it. I study it. You know, most of the, the scripture I memorized before going to ESV was memorized in King James. So, you know, ain't no, no knock against it. But again, at the end of the day, we have to be in a place where we are understanding and in, 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 in recognizing that the translations are not where the power is. The power is in God. The power is not in the translation. The power is in the spirit. And if we divorce ourselves from the spirit because we're so gung-ho on the version, the Bible that, we're, that we want to read, then we are saying to believers who are believing off of other translations, your translation is not going to get you into heaven. And that's just not, that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. The gospel is the gospel. And the gospel can be said in infinity number of ways, um, in infinity number of languages, infinity number of texts. And so we got to be ever so careful that we're not 
um, um, prescribing to people that in order for them to be saved, they have to read the King James Version. Because it's simply not so. The King James Version didn't exist until the King James written was King James Version was um, was translated as such. So, so what are we saying then? That everybody prior to the King James Version wasn't saved? Can't say that. We can't say that. Because even Christ himself said, David's in the kingdom. And that was before Jesus. So we can't say that. We can't say that you got to read King James in order to be saved. That doesn't make that doesn't even make sense biblically. It doesn't make sense biblically. Um, you're watching the um uh, the True Gospel Morning Show right here on the Tickety Talk Live. I'm with you guys every morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. I've got about three minutes left before I got to get off the live today. Um, I do appreciate y'all so so much um for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, Adonis Pink is back uh, with us on the live. Good morning, Adonis Pink. Good to see you again this morning. Um, and um, you're absolutely right. Jim Jones did do that. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad that he did that, uh, but he was not preaching the true gospel. And so just like you said before, Kel, you have a great day too, man. Good to see you. Um, or sister, I, I, I'm not, let me make sure. I don't know, guy or girl, um, <laughs> but you have a great day as well. Um, but yeah, Jim Jones was wrong. Um, and again, he wasn't preaching the true gospel. So I don't prescribe to what you're trying to say there. Um, again, cause Jim Jones was not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was preaching the gospel of Jim Jones. And that's how he was able to convince all them people to do what he did. So, um, so again, my sister, my sister, I appreciate you so much. You have a great rest of your day. Come back and see me tomorrow. Come back and see me tomorrow. I really do appreciate you taking the time to get on the live with us today. I really do appreciate you. Um, well, again, what's going on, Adonis? Um, uh, but yeah, again, Jim Jones was not preaching the gospel. The man was preaching himself. Um, very charismatic brother. He twisted scripture in order to make people believe in him more so than they believed in God to the point where it was like, yes, let's drink this Kool-Aid. So again, don't prescribe to that. Um, again, he was not preaching the gospel, not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so again, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. Again, I cannot refute that he convinced these people to do that. He was wrong for that. And he, and, and if, and if he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, he going to pay for that. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, I do not prescribe to the God that Jim Jones was following because that ain't my God. You know, that's not, that's not the God of the universe. He was preaching some other gospel. Um, so, you know, I don't agree with that at all. Um, um, hold on. There's something. Let me write this down. I'm writing down some questions that I've seen because I'm not going to have time to talk about them today. Um, Um, let me see. And there's something else that somebody else said. Hold on. Um, yeah, let me see. One second. Um, And then let me see. There's one more in here. 
Um, I think that might be it. Um, okay, Scorpion Dream said, God, God is not a jealous God. I think we might do that one tomorrow. Okay. All right. Um, so listen, guys, I thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for getting on the live with me today. I want to thank all of my new um my new my new followers today. I thank you guys for the 2700 likes on today. I do not deserve a single one, so I appreciate y'all so so much. I appreciate the gifts that were given today. Um um and so I do appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen to um the words that I've had to say again. You guys could literally be anywhere else listening to anybody else talk about anything else. So the fact that you want to spend a little bit of time with your boy, I do not take that lightly, do not take that for granted, and certainly appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart. So I thank you so so much. CC, I see you this morning, girl. I'm glad that you're able to stop by for a few minutes, man. Um, and so I appreciate y'all again so, so much from the bottom of my heart for spending a little bit of time you know, um, um, with me on today. Um, again, thank you guys for the likes. Thank you for the gifts. Um, know that, you know, with me and those gifts, just as a disclaimer, because somebody has said that I'd be preaching for money. Hear what I say. I ain't touched the dime of that stuff. I ain't touched it yet. I don't really know how to work it all that well. For one, two, if I ever do figure out how to work it, my, my goal is to try to use it to just build this platform. None of that money's going to me. I ain't banking. You know, I ain't trying to be like these NPCs out here that are making buku money to try to go live in hotel rooms all day long and everything. And so, for, again, I never I will never ask y'all for a dime. Um, you know, if you want to donate to the true gospel ministry, feel free to donate those gifts here. But what I do with that, what I'll do with that money as it as it rolls into something of um of incredible significance. And thank you so much, CC, for that. Um, is it will basically, you know, roll into just keeping this live going. Um, and so, you know, i got a couple of websites that I have up that I pay out of my own pocket um, to keep up. You know, I got a couple of subscriptions that I use to build the um, videos that we do. Um, and that it'll go to keep those things up. That's where that money goes. I don't see a dime of it. I got my own job. I pay my own bills. I pay for my own stuff. Y'all will never, I will never be that preacher who is taking y'all's money um, and going out trying to live a lavish lifestyle. If y'all get anything, it will all go toward the upkeep of this stuff through the subscriptions and the um and and yeah, the subscriptions that I need to keep the website up, to keep the um the the lives going and all that jazz. And so again, I thank y'all so so much for um for what you do. And I appreciate you, um, CCU. I appreciate you so much for entrusting me with your care that day. That was a real, that was a really good, really good day um, for both of us, actually. Um, and so, um, so again, I appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart uh, for being on the live with me today. I appreciate every commenter, um, every skeptic that came on, every um, you know, believer, unbeliever. Um, I appreciate y'all so so much for taking the time to listen to me and um. And show me your love and support. 
I will be back on here 6 a.m. tomorrow, guys. Um, and so, as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.